Welcome to Inside the Vatican with America Media. Each week, veteran Vatican reporter Gerard O'Connell and I will take you behind the headlines for an intergenerational conversation about the biggest stories out of the Vatican. This week, we'll update you on a recent confrontation between the Italian bishops and the Pope over annulments. Then, we'll talk economics. Is the Pope a socialist? Finally, we'll dig into the Pope's comments on fake news and freedom of the press. I'm Colleen Dully. This is Inside the Vatican. Good morning from New York, Jerry. Good afternoon from Rome, uh, Colleen. How are you doing? Enjoying the sunshine. (laughs) Me too, finally. The Pope spoke today about uh, China. But uh, because next Friday is the day that Benedict XVI set as the world uh, day for prayer throughout the world for the church in China, May the 24th. Right. It's an important Marian feast day in China. It, it's it's a shrine in uh, the outskirts of Shanghai. I have been there and uh, people go. But in recent years, the, the government, the authorities have made it very difficult for uh, Chinese Catholics to go there in that time of year. And uh, so I think one will be watching to see what actually happens. He's urged the Chinese Catholics to develop their unity, build uh, together, work in solidarity. It's a simple message, uh, but I think basically what he's telling them is, I'm very close to you. And of course, it's the first year since the communists have come to power that all the bishops in China are now uh, united with the Pope. That's a result of last fall's Vatican-China deal. And if our listeners want to learn more about that, we explained it in our November 7th episode. So I'll link to that and some of Jerry's other China coverage in the show notes. So, Jerry, let's move on to our first story. Um, The Pope met with the Italian bishops and spoke to them about annulment reform, which he enacted in 2015. But it looks like a lot of dioceses in Italy haven't haven't put into practice yet. Um, And before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, you know, what was this 2015 reform? Well, in the 2015 reform came in the midst of the two synods on the family. And Francis really is, first of all, a pastor. And he saw that uh, there was a lot of this widespread breakup of marriage. And he had begun to understand that uh, sometimes uh, these marriages really hadn't set out on the basis that the church lays down for valid marriages. Right, right. And I'll give you two examples. First of all, a couple who get married and uh, get married and say, no, no, this is not for life. It's for as long as we can get on well together. And after that, we break up. So they don't accept the indissolubility of marriage. Secondly, a couple, one or other of the couple say, I I don't want children in the marriage. These are grounds for uh, saying the, the marriage is null. And so Francis, well aware that there are these and there are other grounds as well, he felt the process that was there for many years, decades, and which had been also confirmed in the legislation of the Court of Canon Law of 1983, was really not meeting the real needs of people, nor responding to the possibilities that they have for rebuilding their lives. Right. It was a little bit cumbersome, right? It made it easier to get an annulment in some pretty concrete ways. Uh, The trials got cut down from needing two to just needing one. And then you also 
uh, could get a trial, you know, within like a month, a month and a half um, from from when you put in a request. So he he made it possible for he he first of all said it's the local bishop who's really got to be able to deal with many of these cases. So I saw one of the headlines about this story was, you know, the Pope reads the bishops the riot act. Is that the impression that you got? Well, it, maybe it's a little too much. But he, he was certainly say, uh, telling them, look, some of you are not doing your job, basically. He was saying, I want, I gave this instruction four years ago, and you, many of you, he didn't say how many, have still not implemented, and I want it implemented. Because he, he, of course, is the primate of Italy. Right. That means that he's responsible for the bishops kind of around him. So what does this kind of interaction between the Italian bishops and the Pope teach us about, you know, the way that Francis's reforms are enacted or enforced? I think you've got to understand that the Italian bishops' conference is the, the largest in the world, I think, one of the largest. In Italy, you have, as a state, you have more laws than in any other country in Europe. The Italian parliament passes laws, laws, laws. So there is this mentality in the country that, you know, a law is passed, but, well, maybe tomorrow we'll implement it. Ah, I got uh, it. The, the Anglo-Saxon mentality to law is very different. Mm-hmm. So it, it's part of a national trait, this uh, uh, slowness in responding to new legislation. Do you think that they'll listen now and actually kind of kick it into high gear, putting this into play? Yes, yes. And also Francis raised the possibility of... Uh, having a synod for Italy. Oh, wow. So I think uh, if this happens, it would be quite significant. It's a very interesting thing because Francis is always going back to the same point, that you've got to change the mentality. You've got to change the way the church is working in a given country to to get the the lay people, the consecrated people, the, the, the priests, the bishops, all working together, not just having instructions from the top and the and the other levels obeying them and uh, he, he wants he's very keen on this and it's what he's doing with the roman curia as well changing the mentality changing the culture so that then we have a new way of working together as church Speaking of changing the culture and mentality, one thing that the Pope has been trying to change the mentality about is the economy. Pope Francis sent a message uh, calling for a new kind of economy that serves all of society for this upcoming meeting of young economists that the Vatican is hosting in Assisi next year. Um, and he says he, he said in the past that the world economy is an economy that kills. It hurts people and it hurts the environment. And you know, whenever the Pope talks about this, it sets off all these cries of like, the Pope is a socialist, the Pope is a communist. So Jerry, I, I just want to ask you a little bit about the Pope's vision for the economy. What what does it look like? Look, he became Pope on 13th of, of March 2013. That May, there was an article in Forbes magazine saying that, oh, he, his thinking on the economy is left wing. So quick. And it is very interesting that when he touches the question of the economy, the climate, the, uh, the arms trade, there's, there's all a, always a reaction in some way. Sometimes it's more or less evident, but there's a reaction. 
because he's touching some of the nerve centers where profit is being made and where people want to keep the profit and not share it. Cardinal Turkson said, he's the Vatican's finance guy, who said that the Pope is not a socialist. He wants a social economy, not a socialist economy. Well, the Pope believes that the economy, that the human being, the person, should be at the center. He said, what we have replaced the center, we've put money as the idol. And Francis, is, he doesn't say you don't make profit, but he said, you must remember the the goods of the world are for, for the common good, not just for the good of a few. And of course, uh, this is traditional church teaching for the last hundred years. So there's this Assisi meeting uh, coming up in 2020. Is is the purpose of that to get some more economists pushing for policies that are in line with Francis's vision? I think he wants them to think through the reality. It's not that he's coming in with with, with a, a package and say, I want you to find ways of implementing. He wants them to think through the situation. He himself says, you know, one doesn't have specific formula. It's not as if you... W- have this formula and you apply that formula. But what you have, you've got some central points that you must have. First of all, you put the person at the center. So you try to take care of the person. Secondly, you understand that this hoarding of wealth for oneself is not for the common good. This quest for possession by an increasingly small number of people is not working for the majority of people. So I, I, I think he, he's, he's speaking about the, the need to create jobs, the need to share the goods of the world. We have more on the Pope's message to young economists at americamagazine.org, and I'll link to that story in the show notes. So this week, the Pope met with uh, members of the foreign press in Italy, and he commented to them about uh, some of his views on journalists and journalism today. Jerry, what was the most important takeaway from what he said to them? I, I would think there are three things. First of all, he emphasized very strongly the importance of freedom of the press. He said the first thing dictators do is try to take away or to mask the freedom of the press. And here he said, you put your finger in the wounds, and sometimes even the wounds of the church, but he, he was supporting this. He says that this, this is necessary to get to the truth of situations. So first, the freedom. Secondly, he spoke about those who, who have been killed in the exercise of their duty, journalists. He mentioned, he said he was pained by the examples that were giving, given to him about a journalist in, in Northern Ireland more recently than a journalist in Malta, and then the Washington Post reporter from Saudi Arabia who was killed in the embassy in uh, Turkey. And then he's saying you should also report good news. He, he said that as, in his life as a bishop, he's seen so much good. He obviously feels that... Uh, this is underreported. He says, there's a notion of good that merits to be known and that gives strengths to our hope. Right, right. I also particularly appreciated his uh, comments about women journalists. He mentioned that 
women make up the majority of the the group that was in front of him and said that they had certain gifts that make them, you know, particularly good reporters. Yes, that that was, uh, I think, uh, he, he had people in front of them who would, whom he knew had been in war and uh, who had been very courageous in their lives. And there were quite a few of them there. And uh, he always says that women see, feel, and grasp aspects that men don't get. And uh, he feels that this really it makes a major contribution and it's good to have this effective in the media too. All right, Jerry. Well, I think it's a great thing that we have both both of our perspectives, male and female, on, on this show. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, we have a winner for last week's raffle. And the winner is Jeff Johnson. So we'll be mailing Jeff a copy of Jerry's new book about the conclave that elected Pope Francis. Thank you so, so much to everyone who entered the raffle and left a review on iTunes. It really makes a difference helping people find the show. So let's let's wrap up. Thank you for all of your uh, explanations and, and the context that you were able to give to these, you know, pretty complicated stories this week. I really appreciate that. And I, th- I think our listeners do, too. Thank you. See you next week. Inside the Vatican is produced by America Media at the William J. Loeshirt Studio. Our executive producer is Eloise Blondio. Our news producer is Kevin Clark. Our audio engineer is Karen Freeman. Inside the Vatican is mixed by Oliver Lazarus. Our studio manager is Leopold Stubner. You can find in-depth and up-to-date Vatican coverage at americamagazine.org or follow us on Twitter at americamag. For America Media with Gerard O'Connell, I'm your host and producer, Colleen Deli. We'll see you next week.